0: give you a disclaimer before we start today. Um, I am a messy person, and I, I got <laughs> I got I got stuff, and I got things, and I got failures, and I have uh, just those times when you when you you almost have an out of body experience, and you go, I could have done better. You, you you ever wake up the next day and go that there? Where's the redo? Is there a redo button? Yesterday, I uh, was trying to build stuff with my son, and I uh, decided to shave part of my finger off, and that was exciting in front of him, which was really fun. Um, and then I almost burned down the house within a what thirty minute time period, Jimmy, um, and he just watched, so it wasn't very helpful either. Um, but I, we, you know, it's just one of those things, like. I I know it's only 2 o'clock in the afternoon, but can I go to bed now? Like, just stop, stop. I don't know if you're at that place or if that's how your New Year's going, but, uh, you know, good things in January, right? It can only go up from here. It's just one of those things. And I was, I was just thinking, last week we talked a lot about prayer, and we talked about a lot about reading the Bible, and I, I figured it, I was thinking about that message, and, and it kind of sounded like I had it all together. Like, well, this is what you could do, and your life would be perfect. Please don't hear that. That's not what comes out. This is just a, hey, guys, this worked. (laughs) Let's work on that, okay? So I am a messy, messy guy with all kinds of issues, and um, there's that. So if you're looking for a church with a perfect pastor, you you didn't get it here, um, but you got one who's going to struggle with you. So that's kind of how we do things around here, all right? so. As we step in from that last week, we talked all about we're in the middle of a series called reach, grow, serve. And that is our mission statement here at the church to reach, grow, serve the community for Christ. And so last week, we talked all about reach. In fact, everything that we do around the church on Sunday morning is really based towards this reach mindset. The why we put such an emphasis on children's ministry. It is so that people come, they know their kids are gonna hear the gospel in a wonderful, amazing creative environment, and that if you know that your kids are taken care for and learning about Jesus, that you can sit through anything in here. Right? Yes. Uh, so we 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 put a special emphasis on that. Why we sing the songs we do, why the sanctuary looks the way it does, why I dress the way I do, all of that is based on this idea of reaching the community. For Christ, because we are passionate about people who don't know Jesus falling desperately in love with Jesus. And so, as we do that, that's why we do all these things. And so, we talked about a little bit about that last week. This week, we're going to talk about grow. And grow is a little bit more internal, reach is very external, grow is a little bit more internal, but it's only internal so that we do the external better. So there's two different facets of grow that we do here at the church in a program way. We grow individually and and kind of as a family through something that we call the growth track. And I alluded to that earlier. That's going to happen on January 23rd, which is uh, a four four one-hour blocks of all kinds of uh, wonderful information about how to take your personal devotional life to the next level, how to uh, get involved here at the church, how God specifically wired you to do some amazing things. Maybe you've never thought about your past or the gifts that you have or even your hobbies being helpful to the kingdom of God. And that is what GROW is all about. And so we really specifically focus in on that. And then the second thing we do in GROW is we have a thing called Life Groups. And life groups is a time where maybe you've experienced a different church called small groups. It is a time in which we get a small group of people together to do life together, which is why we call it life groups. And so we're going to focus in on those two aspects today because I believe if those two things are done really, really well, we can't help but do reach well. All right? Growing in our faith is a building block of changing our environment. Growing in our faith is a building block of changing our our environment growing in our faith is a building block of changing our environment this a new year and we have all kinds of goals usually for our new year but if we're going to actually grow in our faith faith has to become a building block of who we are instead of a yard ornament so the difference is we go to church And it's nice on the outside, but it's not holding our house up. If we want to actually change the environment, change the way in which we work, change our family, change our marriage, change our attitude about our career, faith has to be a building block of who we are instead of the yard ornament. It's not something I go to. It is something I am. Do you see the difference? And so we're going to really talk about how to make that shift, make that change. Because I don't know, um, there's sometimes like when an old school gets torn down, you can buy the capstone. You can buy the cornerstone of that or maybe of a church move. Like if we, we, somebody in here won the uh, Powerball yesterday. I won't judge you. Okay. You say you won the $950 million yesterday. and We're like, hey, we're getting a new church. Awesome. Okay. We could take the, the cornerstone with us and we put it in a place. Well, that's nice. But it's not the building anymore. It's just, it's just an ornament then. It's not a part of holding anything up anymore. And so I, th- I feel like we've... Uh, it's very tempting sometimes to have our faith just be like the gazing ball sitting out in, in our yard instead of building block of who we are. And so we want to kind of delve into that today about how to grow in our faith as we want to change our environment. Now, if our mission is to reach, grow, and serve the community for Christ, it is our mission to change the environment in which we live. And so growing individually has everything to do with how we grow corporately. I talked quickly about the grow, uh, growth track. We're trying some different ways to do this to work around people's schedules because we understand uh, everyone's got different schedules. So traditionally, we do this uh, the first, second, third, fourth, Wednesday night of the month. And so on January 23rd, we're trying it all in one day. It will be grow through a fire hose. If you've been through grow before and you're like, they're going to do that in one day, that's a little crazy. Um, It's (laughs) are going to be squirting right at you. It's going to be a fabulous day. Some of you are like, "That's exactly what I want." Um, others are like, "Oh, that's not the day for me." If you want to go a little slower, after Easter's over, uh, we will ha- go back to our traditional uh, one hour on a Wednesday evening. Uh, so you're going to have both smatterings uh, offered to you here in the near future. We're just trying to figure out what works best for our church body, uh, but that's that's the grow process. I'm going to center in on life groups for the rest of the day. If you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 2, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful picture. God shows us in Mark 2 what a life group is supposed to do. You guys are like, there's not small groups in in the New Testament. Yes, there is. We are going to see that in just a moment. Life groups start the process of experiencing God's restoration in our lives. Life groups start this process. Life groups are, are pivotal to this point of where we have maybe come in contact with God. We've said, God, I need you to be Lord of my life. God, I'm in a really weird spot right now. God, I, I don't even know about you, but I need to know more about this restoring. I need to know more about, I know something is broken and I need it to be fixed. And that's where we find ourselves kind of going to life group and we get there. And then this is the process of this, of that beautiful start of restoration, Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Sistine Chapel and Michelangelo's work there. And it is one of the most beautiful, wonderful things uh, you can ever see in your life. You just, until you see it, In person you don't understand like you can look at an art book and go that's really cool but then you're there and your jaw is like "Mm," like yeah you you get the drool coming out the side of your mouth you have all that stuff because it's absolutely gorgeous it's one of the only times i've really purposely broken the law you're not supposed to take a picture of it like click 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 you know me and all the other tourists there but um it is amazing amazing we're not gonna put this uh message online now because i I just admitted (laughs) to breaking the law but um Edit, edit. Um, But it's this amazing thing. Well, a couple couple decades ago now, after 400 years of incense burning on it and candle uh, smoke and all this stuff, they painstakingly, inch by inch, restored this gorgeous, beautiful painting. And this is the process in which I'm talking about what happens in your life. You are a beautiful, amazing, gorgeous creation of God with all kinds of potential that's more valuable than the Sistine Chapel ever could hope to be. And when we put sin in our lives and, and make stupid choices and do weird and random things, we, we cover ourselves with soot. And God's process is to say, when we come to Christ and say, hey, I want to be cleaned, and then we get, start this restoration process. And life groups excel at helping with the restoration process. Life groups are a place to connect. Life groups are a place to connect. This is one of the most important parts of of what life groups do for us in our church, is they connect people that normally maybe wouldn't even talk to each other. Uh, Sunday morning is a busy time, right? Our lobby is not the biggest in the world, and we've got things to do. You know, you got kids to take to the bathroom so they don't have an accident during church. you got to d- do all these things. you got to see so-and-so because you're supposed to sign up for this. you got to pay this money for over here. You gotta, it's a to-do list, almost atmosphere. And sometimes it doesn't offer the, the ability to truly connect with other people. Life groups are a wonderful place where people who might not normally talk to each other get to connect with each other. I love this in our, our men's uh, life group on Monday nights. We just study the Bible. Because guys aren't going to go like, oh, I really need to go somewhere and talk about my feelings. <laughs> right? Oh, I can't wait for Life script to get right back here. i got to talk about my feelings. Dude, we, we don't even, feelings don't come up until, like, I actually, we talk about them in the third person. Well, David really was feeling this way. <laughs> uh, oh, really? We didn't talk about David today, Andy. Oh, man! The, <laughs> so, yeah, we, we come about it, so it's a very non-threatening, uh, great way for us. Because I know guys are like, oh, I really want to get together and talk about my marriage. That is not gonna happen. So we kind of do it around the around the corner, right? And that's that's what that's why the Bible's amazing because all those topics are covered. Anywho, life groups are a place to connect with people. Sometimes your life group experience is a terrible experience. That doesn't mean you quit ever going to life group ever again. You just try a new one. That's why we only do semesters of eight weeks long. Like if this was bad, I can suffer through it for six weeks. We're gonna try try a new one next time. It's okay. It's okay. It happens. Sometimes you just don't gel with the people. But what happens when you start to connect with people is this restoration process. Like, hey, they're messy just like me. We can get through this. They got stuff. I got stuff. We got stuff. Okay, let's get cleaner. Let's scrape off some of that soot. Let's work. Life groups are a place to protect, and we, you guys, do this really, really, really well as life groups. Um, most of our life groups beat me to the hospital calls, the meal train, all those things. I find out after you guys have already done the job that I was supposed to do a job, right? And, and that's the way it's supposed to work. That's ideally the way, the way it's supposed to work. And so uh, I, there's many times I finally get the information from a life group leader. Hey, so-and-so, did you know they were in the hospital? No. I don't, get, I don't listen to the police blotter or anything like that. No, they, they were in the uh, hospital. Okay, I'll call them. I call them. Yeah, I'm leaving the hospital. I'm checking out right now. Can, okay, can I pray for you? Yeah, and I'm going, on the inside, I'm like, oh, I hope they're not offended. But I'm also going, I found out by their life group people. This is fabulous because they're the first line of, hey, we love you. Hey, we care for you. Hey, we're going to protect you in whatever we, way we can. Life groups are a place to protect. They're a place to come in contact with people and say, you know what, this is a safe moment. And maybe your marriage or your kids are going crazy, or your marriage and your kids are going crazy at the same time, or your marriage, your kids, and your job is going crazy all at the same time, but you're safe here. And this is one of the goals of what life groups are. As we start this restoration process, cleaning is a very delicate, delicate, hard job to start to reveal the beauty in which God has has shown in you. And you need to be protected while you go through that process. Right? People weren't this is why you're not supposed to take pictures with flashes of the Sistine Chapels, because if you do that, you start to deteriorate the way the oil is. And we gotta be protected from all these things. And, And our life groups help us with that. Life groups are a place to grow. Life groups are a place to grow. They're a place to be able to a safe place to be able to ask questions, to get answers to struggle through things. This is the purpose of life groups. Uh, This is where the content comes in. Notice I put that third in importance. It's a place to connect first. It's a place to be protected second. And then you get to the curriculum, right? And then you get to the curriculum. I love it. Our ladies' groups now, it was really, really important, whatever book we chose. It's like, oh my goodness, we've got to choose this book. Kelly and the ladies would get together, and we got to choose this perfect book, and it's the book, the book, the book, the book, the book. Now they're like, are we talking actually about a book, or are we just going to do life together? It's it's wonderful to start to see the metamorphosis happen there because the first two have gotten so much stronger. Some of the ladies in those groups are like, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I love it. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good stuff. Now Mark chapter 2, I'm going to show you how life groups are present in the, the New Testament. A few days later, when Jesus... Again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such a large number that there was no room left, not even outside the door. and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their face, faith, sorry, Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man. Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take up your mat and walk. But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on, on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. He got up, took up his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is exactly what a life group is supposed to be like. We're supposed to have destruction of property. Life groups, first, is they carry you when you can't walk. They carry you when you can't walk. I love this imagery of this man lying on a mat, just like this, maybe this rug or whatever, and four of these guys going, I don't know how this is going to work, but we're going we're gonna to carry him. And they're all working together to get a guy to Jesus. Isn't that just a beautiful imagery thing to think about? I don't know about you, but I want people in my life, I want friends in my life, who no matter what I'm going through, however I've been paralyzed in life, are willing to pick me up and carry me to Jesus. This is what life groups and the dream of life groups are all about. When I think about this, I think about, well, those guys had to be strong. They had to have certain attributes to be able to carry the mat. And so what makes you a good mat carrier? I think there's a few key things we need to think about. To be a mat carrier, you have to be present. You have to show up. It's a very particular thing about mat carrying is you have to be holding onto the mat to be actually be carrying it. So we have to be present. I think this is a big thing in church attendance. Be present at church. Five years ago, it was the norm for a regular church attender to be present at church. Uh, four out of four Sundays. To consider yourself a regular church attenders, you were there four weeks out of, out of the month, which is usually all of them, if I'm correct. Now, it's, and every other, it's two weeks of the month you are con- you consider yourself a regular. That was only five years ago. That's a dramatic shift in the way it is. The problem with that, the problem with the shift in that is if you're not present to do life with each other, you can't do life with each other. And so it's, it's a major problem of just a ministry of being present Is a huge portion in helping people get their mat carried. It's also a reason why, hey, if we're going through life groups for eight weeks, I'm going to dedicate myself. I'm not going to miss any of these. I'm going to be there for eight weeks straight. We are going to do this. you get kicked out if you miss one? No, but it's just important. It's important, important, important. Second thing, read the Bible. It is infinitely easier to carry someone when you know which way to carry them. I experienced this this Wednesday. First time I took Bowen to basketball practice. I had no idea where I was going. Do you realize it takes like 18 times longer to drive somewhere when you don't know where you're going? Right? Even if you have a map, you're like, this is taking forever. I got there in 15 minutes. It wasn't that long. I got home. It felt like five minutes. It was 15 minutes. Right? I knew exactly where I was going. I had I had the presence of mind. Like, oh, I know where I'm going. This is okay. We're all good. But it is infinitely easier to carry someone when you know which way to carry them. I had a student at uh, Six Flags. This is a reason youth pastors, maybe when you were in youth group, you absolutely loved going to Six Flags or Kings Island or Cedar Point or any any of these amusement parks. Youth pastors, those are called hell days. They are the worst possible days that you possibly can ever have. Those in lock-ins are the two worst days of your life as a youth pastor. Um, and they're the terrible. <laughs> Uh, you, those are my best memories. Oh, you know, those are migraine days. <laughs> what happens? Um, I was at Six Flags, and I had a kid. You know, stupid junior high boys. Um, they're walking. They kick the back foot, and they make some kind of trip. Well, this kid was not the most coordinated because he's a junior high boy, and he trips, falls, breaks his collarbone. It's in August in Atlanta, Georgia. On cement, so not only did he break his collarbone, wherever his hands or skin, flesh touch the blacktop, it instantly is seared. So he's like ah 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 ah, and it's going on and going. And he's a little bit of a drama queen anyway, because he's a junior high boy. And you guys get the picture. <clears throat> All this is happening, so I don't know he broke his collarbone. You're not supposed to do this, but I didn't know he collar. I just thought he was screaming because of the blacktop. I pick him up, and I'm carrying him, and I'm going. Well, he's like ah, he's screaming his head off. Him. I don't know where to go now. Um, So where's the nurse's station at Six Flags? So I'm sitting here with a crying 14-year-old boy in my arms. Where am I supposed to go? I have no idea where I'm going. I walked past it. I walked around it. Because they don't really advertise the nursing station at at Six Flags that well. Uh, But I had no idea where I was I was exhausted carrying this kid. When really, in actuality, he's only about 50 yards away from me. He could have walked on his own. There's nothing wrong with his legs. It It was his collarbone. It is infinitely easier to carry someone when you know where you're going. Read the scripture. Read it, read it, read it, read it. It is a blueprint to know how to, when people are paralyzed and they're on the mat, and if you're going to speak truth in your life, if you know truth, it's a lot easier to speak it. All right. Third, pray. It is easy to get someone to the doctor when you know the doctor. Being new here into this area, I've asked for a lot of recommendations for you know, car people, and for doctors, and for chiropractors, and all these different life... <laughs> I need someone to fix that. Can someone help me out? And people are like, oh, I know a good one. You do? What's his name? Mr. Walker. Oh, Duck Walk? Yeah. Okay. Where's his office? I have no idea. Got a phone number? Uh-uh. I heard he's really good, though. Thank you for that information. <laughs> We have to pray. It is easy to get someone to the doctor when you know where the doctor is located. Right? And prayer is this lifeline, it's this connection, it's this open pipeline to, to knowing God. It's a much easier to carry the sick person to Jesus when you know Jesus. Show up, read the Bible, pray. These are really simple things that get really, really difficult. Right? Last week I challenged you to read the Bible for five minutes a day, pray for five minutes a day. I failed at that. I'm going to be first. I'm going to say if minus for the pastor this week. Terrible job. Terrible, terrible job. Um, and I will, I will do better next week. But this is what the standard in which we're trying to go to. Show up, read the Bible, pray. It sounds really easy, but life gets in the way and it gets very difficult. But these are the makings of a fantastic life group person. Not just the leader, just anybody in our church as we grow together. Second thing that these guys do is they are willing to take extra extraordinary steps to help you. They are willing to rip the roof off, to commit, I don't I think that's a felony if you go and destroy property, depending on probably how vehemently you're destroying that property. But it, as you cut, you know, today that'd be me and Paul and Perry up on the roof with sawzaws, ripping a hole in the wall so we could lower Kevin down. This is, this is what, that sounds fun, uh, but they are willing, really, <laughs> not today, there's a little ice up there, but that's okay. Willing to take extraordinary, ste- extraordinary steps to help you. This is the making of a life. This is what these guys are doing. They get up on this roof of a guy, who knows if they know him. Can you imagine? you got a guest, a special guest over, and all of a sudden, insulation starts falling on your face. I would think well, I'm, something I fixed is broken, is what I would think. But they're willing to take extraordinary steps to help you. And finally, they get you to Jesus. There's some people that take extraordinary steps to try to help you, but they don't get you anywhere near Jesus. Okay, here's the final. This is, we, we're taking you on a mission. Where are we going? I have no idea. You got to get people to Jesus. This is what a great life group person will do. And someone in our church, as we try to grow and connect and reach, grow and serve the community for Christ is that we get people to Jesus. This is the goal of, of our church. So even grow, even the thing that's supposed to be for us, the more personal Aspect as we reach, grow, and serve the community. It's for the purpose. So we can actually reach better. As we fulfill the mission of Christ. More and better and all those other adjectives. As we close today. I just want to think about maybe there's your person in this story. Maybe you're the person that's paralyzed on the map. And you are stuck in life. And things have not been going very well. Maybe you're a mat carrier, maybe you need to pick up a mat maybe you need to 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 be one of these guys that says, you know what? I can carry you to that spot wherever you're at on that, if you need to be one of the people you are a beautiful creation of Christ that needs to be restored in him that today is a day that you say, yep, that's me." I know there's beauty to be had there. There used to be beauty there. I need something new. I need, I need to be cleaned. I need to be restored. That today would be a day that you say, "God, restore me." Be my Lord, restore me today, Christ. For the rest of us. That maybe we've been just the kind of the naysayers sitting there. The pharisee guys going, "Well, you can't do that. Why are you destroying the ceiling? That's not going to go well." Is that union labor? You know what I'm talking about? We just pick at everything. Or are we the person who says, you know what? I'm going to get on that roof. I'm going to pick up that mat. I'm going to do everything I can to get people to Jesus. That's what I want for you, and I want to know what God wants for you as well. As we sing this last song, I want you to just take a moment to think about where am I at on that, on that scale? Do I just need to ask God for repentance for, for, to restore me? Do I just do I need to lay my heart out and say, God, take me today as your son or your daughter? That today would be a day that I recognize I got to get to Jesus. For others of you say, you know what? I've been a crowd sitter for way too long. Now I want to be a mat carrier. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today and thank you for, this time together. Thank you for these moments together. Lord, we ask you to bless us and guide us in all that we do. Lord, I ask you to restore us in your name. That for I know there's someone in this room right now who needs you so desperately. They need your restoration. Lord, I ask you to take their sins and throw them as far as the east is from the west, that you'd make them a new creation in you. God, I, I pray for the people in this church that we'd all be mat carriers. That There's different people in our lives and our neighbors and our coworkers that we need to carry them to you. That not a little thing like roadblocks or speed bumps would get us in the way of bringing them to you. That we'd be willing to cut down roofs to get them to you, Jesus. But will you ignite that passion in our lives? Will you give us that prism as we see people around us? The question we always ask ourselves is, how do we get that person to Jesus? Lord, we love you and we praise your name. Amen.